Father, I do thank you for this opportunity, this awesome privilege to be able to proclaim your word. Lord, I know that, uh, I know, Lord, that there is nothing beyond you. But, Lord, would you please speak to the hearts, speak confidence, speak healing, speak love and boldness, speak trust, speak life into those that are here. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And I ask, oh God, that in Jesus' name, there would be a powerful transformation of the heart. That there would be those here today who give their hearts to Christ. Those who receive the great gift that you gave so long ago that is still new today. And so, Father, I ask that in Jesus' name there would be miracles, Lord, that you would touch lives. But, Lord, I also ask for the heavy-hearted, those whose children are far from you, parents who are hurting, marriages who are falling apart or who are at the cusp of destruction. Father, I pray for those who have just come in here, Lord, and have just, they've put down the bottle for the first time last night or this morning, and they're just looking for hope. Lord, those who were leading a destructive life and who now find themselves in a place where you can speak to them. Father, I pray for those, oh God, but the person with one hour clean, one day, And so, Father, I pray that you would give us a holy focus on you. That we would recognize that the reward for serving Jesus is Jesus. And that we would be submitted unto your glory. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. God's going to move in a powerful way today. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're ready for it. Okay, so we're in a, we're in a brand new series. The, anybody know what the name of the series is? It's a, Abide. Yes, this new series called Abide is what the Christian life is all about. We are to abide like a grape inv- abides in the vine, like a vine ab- uh, or a branch abides in the vine. That's how we are to walk. To be in Christ simply means to abide, that he would be, what does it mean to be? That he would be your strength, he would be your core, he would be your center. If you're not sure what that looks like, just think to when you were a teenager and were in love. Guys, can you think about that? Can you think about spending money you didn't have to impress a girl who's not with you anymore? Yeah? Can you think about that? Yeah? Girls, can you remember what it was to fall in love with the guy and say, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to be together forever and you didn't last a month. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. 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 You know what that is? That's abiding. That's being in love with, allowing them to influence, allowing them to change and making them the center of your world. That's what being a Christ follower is, making Christ the center of your world. Now, the first week we talked about just abiding in Christ. You're going to see uh, we have a a little uh, symbol to help us kind of remember, and uh, it's going to come up in a second. And um, what we said was obedience to Christ. Obedience to Christ. There it is. All right? So the first week we just said living in obedience to Christ, that we're going to abide in Christ, that we're going to walk in Christ. And then the next week we talked about the word. Being in God's word. Anybody remember what the point of that message was? What? 
Read your Bible. That's it. Just read your, read your Bible. You read the newspaper. You read the funnies. You read the, the horoscopes, God forbid. Please read your Bible. Read your Bible. And that's, we said that if we're going to obey Christ, we should probably know what he says, right? Makes sense, right? Can't obey someone you don't know, right? So we said obey. And if you weren't sure how to read your Bible, we went ahead and gave you a six-week in two-week bites, a six-week reading plan in two-week bites so that you could just get a, a handle on the Bible. Now, uh, if you don't have that, we can send that out to you. You could just write that down in your yellow card, and we'll get that out to you. We also send it out in the, um, in the bulletin. By the way, in the uh, email, we send out an email blast that lets you know everything that we're doing. You, you get so informed. Isn't that awesome? Like the email. And it's also a way for you to communicate back to us and tell us anything that's on your heart or anything like that. So if you are not on our email list, you should put so. You should say so on the yellow card. Go ahead and say it. Well, the, the third week, which was last week, we studied on, we talked about service. And we even had a, we even had a, uh, uh, a ministry fair. And we said that you're, you don't deserve to be used by God. You don't have to be used by God. You don't try out to be used by God. God chose you. And if you're in this seat and you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus has not chosen you so that you could sit at a particular address at a particular chair to listen to a particular speaker for no particular reason. Jesus has asked you to come to him for the sake of serving others. Remember, remember what we said God had turned to us. Remember that? Does anybody remember that? That he had turned to us. And, not, and that we, we, we could stop the audition. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to be smart enough. We don't have to be attractive enough. We don't have to be wealthy enough. We don't have to have a pedigree or anything. That God chose us. And you go, but you don't know what I did last night. Yeah, but God does, and he chose you anyway. But you don't know what I did last year. Yeah, but God does, and he chose you anyway. Not because you're good, but because he's good. Right? And so all we wanted you to do is just simply serve last week, right? Just serve. This week, this week we're going to um, talk about sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. And you go, oh gosh, I don't know what that is. Great. That's the point of the message. I'm going to help you learn about what it is to share the gospel. Now, um, one of the things that you're going to notice. Um, one of the things that I've observed in, oh, by the way, before I go on, before I go on, could you think of a few people that you love, that you would like to share, that you wish they knew Jesus? Could you think of them? Do you have them in your head? Put them in your head. Put them in your head. Some of you, it's going to take another minute. Put them in your head. Is there anyone in your life that you just wish would get a relationship with God, who would know Jesus, who would say, you know what, they need Jesus. Is there anybody there? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Inside your bulletin, there's, a, there's a, a, what we call a sermon map. It's your way to follow along with us. But, you know, I, I wasn't raised in a church. I wasn't raised in a church. In fact, when I came to church, I thought it was really weird. Where else in public do you corporately sing, right? Even in concerts, it's weird, right? Like, there's nowhere else. And then, and then there's announcements, and then this guy gets up and speaks. It's like it was a weird aspect for me. I didn't grow up in this environment. And so one of the things that we did when we started uh, this church is that we said we were going to make this as easy for the newcomer. When you come in, it's easy for you to follow along. And here's what we discovered. Newcomers don't bring their Bibles because they don't have them. 
So we decided we were going to put the scriptures in that bulletin so that you could follow along, take it home, circle it. If you've been coming around, we want you to bring your Bible, of course, get your Bible out, read it, learn it, and circle it and do that. But if you're, if you're new, you can just open your Bible and you can, uh, I mean, you can open your bulletin, get your sermon map, and you can uh, see exactly where we're going to go. Now, listen, this is really, really key. When you figure out the people that you want to know Christ, that you love, that you wish had an abiding relationship with Christ, what I want you to do is I want you to, in the back of your sermon map, or in the front of your sermon map, anywhere on your sermon map, I want you to write their name down. I'm thinking of three people right now, so I'm going to write their name down. So now watch this. All throughout this service, if you see me stop and write something down, I'm writing another person's name down. You can do the same thing. I want you to write down the name of the person. who. You then after you've done that, just stick with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get to the rest of this talk. Father, thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I pray that you would use this time to put the names and the lives of the people that you want us to talk to about you. Father, even if that name is us, Lord, I pray that we would put it down. Lead us. Lead us in this meeting. For we do pray in Jesus' name. I just went away recently. Um, I went away recently um, on a trip this week with my family. And... um, we went to this place called the Golden Corral. Does anybody know? Ooh, the Golden Corral. The anointed restaurant. Boy, there's nothing like the Golden Corral. Right? So we went to the Golden Corral. And the, here's the thing. This is the first time I had ever heard of it. This is the first time I had ever gone. I don't have a TV. I don't watch TV. So, like, you know, you guys might see the commercials. I didn't know. But well, here's the thing. Their thing is that they're a buffet. Right? So it's like all you can eat, right? So it's like not bad food, right? It's pretty good food. But here's the thing. They have a chocolate fountain. No kidding. You could put wood under the chocolate fountain and start eating wood. It's that tasty. It's a chocolate fountain. So you could take like a macaroni and cheese, put it under the chocolate fountain. You could, uh, you could take a, a Rice Krispie treat. You could take your apple pie. You could do whatever you want. Right? My daughters put, I mean, everything. Like, you know, they were just like chocolate and everything. And it was legal for this one time, right? And so, but now here's the thing. Here's the thing. What I noticed, what I noticed was whenever they chocolate something, right, they wanted me to taste it because they thought it was delicious. Chocolates make, chocolate makes anything taste, right? Put broccoli on the chocolate. Woo! It's bro- bro- broccoli. Woo! Eat it all the time. Right? Watch this. They said, bah, try this out. Bah, 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 bah. Try this out. Try this out. And I would try it. And I would go, oh, it's delicious. And then, you know, it would be something else. And, bah, try this out. And I was like, oh, that's wonderful. My kids teach me something. That when you have, when you try, when you take in something that's a delight to you, that the most natural thing in the world is for you to want to share it. Right? Remember when you were a kid? You had an ice cream, right? And you were like, oh. And my kids do this all the time. They go, Oh, Bob, you gotta try this. Please try it. No, and I'm like, no, no, it's okay. No, you gotta try this. And it's just a natural inclination. Inside of us, it's the way God made us. 
inside of us, God has longed, put a longing, a desire, a willingness that when we receive something fantastic, we can't keep it to ourselves. When we receive something wonderful, when it's a delight, we can't help but share it with someone else. Yeah, now, this is not so true with bad news. Now, bad news from other people we might gossip about, but bad news about ourselves, not so much, right? The guy gets fired. The first thing he asks himself is, how am I going to go home and tell my wife this? It's not that he desires to say it. He's, like, he's trying to out- figure out how to avoid it. Kid who fails a grade. Fails an exam. That kid is not running home and go, look, D, D, I got a D, or I got an F, I got an F. Nobody's bragging about that. But when you receive good news, when you receive good news, when you receive something that's delightful, when you take in a, a good piece of information, there is a natural inclination in every single one of us to share it with others. It's the woman who shows off the engagement ring to all of her friends goes, oh, is there something on my face? I don't know. Right? Right? It's the woman who just got engaged, who just can't wait to tell the whole world. It's the child who wants to share the new ice cream that they just discovered. It's the student who can't wait to tell mom and dad about the A on the test. It's the cancer patient who cannot wait to call home to say that the cancer is undetectable. It's the, it's the guy who met the girl of his dreams, who can't wait to take her home to mom. It's the family member who can't wait to come home and talk about the promotion that they got. When you and I receive fantastic news, there is something inside of us that wants to share that news with others. We just simply can't keep good news to ourselves. And this, this thing that God has put inside of us, this this desire, this inclination, this bent, this leaning that we have, God uses for his glory when it comes to himself. Did you know that the word gospel really means good news? And that there's good news for the addict, for Mr. Perfect, for Mrs. Can't Do Wrong and Mrs. Can't Do Right, that for those who are wealthy, and those who are poor, for those who are attractive, and those who lack beauty, for those who are able and strong, and those of us who are weak and feeble. There is good news. And it's the kind of good news that God does not want us to keep to ourselves. So, just in case you have to go to the bathroom, we've been doing this the entire series, here's all I want you to do today. All I want you to do is to, here's all I want you to learn. I want you to learn that I, listen, just tell somebody about Jesus. Okay, now is that difficult? Can can everybody say that with me? Just tell somebody about Jesus. Now, here's the thing, I want to warn you. So, look, look, nothing up my sleeves. I'm going to warn you. 
at the end of this service, listen, I'm not dumb. We all come to church for different reasons. Isn't it true? We come to church because the pretty girl invited us from work and we're hoping that we're going to score points with her. We come to church because that person says that they'll promise us lunch. We come to church because our wives nag us because our husbands can't stop talking about this place and so we come. So I know that not everybody who's listening to me has a working relationship with Christ. And again, nothing up my sleeve. By the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Christ. I know that seems audacious. I know you think, dude, for real? That's what I'm going to do. So I want you to work out your rebellion throughout the message. So that by the end of the message, you can pursue God. I just want what's good for you. So, God wants, has this thing inside of us, and he wants us to share it with others, because good news is hard to keep together. And all I want you to learn today is just tell somebody about Jesus, because Jesus is the best news ever. Ever. So, um... Uh, we're going to go into a story in the Bible that kind of illustrates what sharing good news is all about. It's in the Old Testament. It's absolutely fantastic. You're going to, it's probably something you've never heard before. And so we're going to go right into it. It's in the book of 2 Kings. But before we do, I have to give you kind of a backdrop. The way the Bible, sometimes the Bible is way, uh, I mean, the Bible's always ahead of its time. But sometimes it just creates even its own genres. Anybody here ever heard of like Quentin Tarantino or something like that? And how he has like the last scene first and the first scene in the middle and the, you know, and the, and the you know, first scene last and all that other stuff. Have you ever seen one of his movies? Well, we're going to go into a, a Quentin Tarantino-esque story in the Bible. And so it's too much scripture. It's like actually two chapters. But I can't, I can't give you the whole two chapters because it would be just too much. So let me just tell you the story. There's a king. And he's uh, the king uh, of Aram. His name is Ben-Hadad. And King uh, Ben-Hadad is decided that he's going to take over Israel, so he's attacking Samaria. He's going to tear down the wall. Now, what's happening is that when you attack a city, the way the city, because there was no planes in this time, uh, in this day, there were no planes around, so the way you fortify a city is by building walls, i.e., uh, Great Wall of China, if you've ever seen it. That was created to protect them from hoarding uh, uh, clans or... Or, or wars or anything like that. Now watch this. This is really big. So they would create the, So all the city would have to do is outlive, outstay, outlast the invading nations. Because you can't get through a wall. You couldn't scale the wall. They had archers. They had all this other stuff. So it's just really difficult to... So what they would do is they would create a siege against it. And this could last a year, two years, three years. And no one would be allowed in or out of the city. Well, supplies run out and... All sorts of nightmares happen. So this is what's going on. Uh, um, what's going on in the time that this happens? Now, the king of Israel says, "You know what? This is ridiculous. God has completely forsaken us." God, in fact. Um, it's worth reading for a second. And, and by the way, we have a tradition that we stand when we read God's word. For this verse, we just go ahead and stay seated. I'm gonna, we're going to have a whole section where we're going to stand and read because we love God's word and we revere God's word. And so we're, there's going to be a point when we do that. But uh, for right now, I just want you to just stay, stay in your seats. In um, chapter 6, verse 33, and it's going to come up. 
um, 2 Kings 6.33. It's just like right there. Look, you see it? It's right there. And so, uh, thank you. Um, 2 Kings 6.33. While he was still talking to them, now Elisha, here's what happened. The king had sent a messenger to Elisha to kill Elisha. Who's Elisha? Elisha is a prophet. Prophet were people who spoke. Listen, prophets are people that speak to people about God. If you see a priest in the Bible, a priest is a person who speaks to God for the people. But a prophet speaks to people about God. So, Elisha is the prophet of the time. And the king of Israel, he says, you know what? I'm going to take all of my anger out on the prophet. I know what this is all about. As a pastor, this makes perfect sense to me, right? Things go bad in people's life. Oh, you know, and they blame the pastor, right? It's like everywhere. It's really funny. Not so much. Um, so in 2 Kings 6.33, the messenger came in, but Elisha's not letting him go, so that, or not letting him in, so that uh, he doesn't kill him, obviously. And so the king says, while he was still talking, Elisha was talking to them, the messenger came down to him, And the king said, this is what the king says, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Here's what was happening. They had a siege outside, so there's war. So people can't go in and out and get food and trade and and gather food. Here's another problem. They had a local drought. When your whole economy depends on the weather, it's nice when the weather cooperates with your agricultural, you know, settings. They had a drought. So now, listen to me. We're talking about, like, don- you know, donkey heads were selling at, at a huge rate. Imagine paying, imagine paying, imagine that there was a drought so bad in New York that there was a, you know, and we think that we're in bad financial times now. Imagine, just imagine if it got so bad that sewer rat was selling like escargot. Like, yeah, that sewer rat was selling for the price of escargot. You have an idea of what dire situations they were in. Sewer rat was selling for what escargot would get. Their gas prices jumped up just north of $4. Can you imagine that? Their, their economic system just went through the... I mean, it's just horrible. So, they have no rain i.e., God's not cooperating. They have no way of going out, i.e., enemies are surrounding them. They're dead in the water. The king says, listen, I'm just going to abandon God. What's to stop me from abandoning God and just giving in the city, you know, just uh, 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 surrendering the city to the Arameans? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like everything was against you, even God? Have you ever felt like you just simply can't go any further? Like you just, you've been stretched to the limits. This is how this king is feeling. And that's where we pick up our story. Okay, I want you to, so now wait, before we do, I want to tell you this little part. Elisha goes to the king and he says, oh, by the way, by the way, there's going to be, by this time tomorrow in 24 hours, the Boar's Head brands at the deli, are going to go on sale. Like, you're going to get, like, you know, boar's head turkey for a dollar a pound, right? It's, you know, the, you know milk is going to be 
$2 a gallon. You know, the prices are just going to shoot up. And a general who was next to the king, he says this. He goes, listen, even if God himself came and delivered all the food to us, could what you said is going to happen. And he said, and he said something very strong to the general. He said, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. That's rough, right? So it's at this place, after this conversation, it's at this place where we pick up and we find our very unlikely heroes. And remember, today is just simply, listen, for those of you who don't know Christ, I just want you to receive him. And for those of you who do know Christ, I just want you to share him. Just tell somebody about Jesus. So, um, because we revere God's word, I want us all to stand as we read God's word. I'm going to do this quickly. This time I'm just going to read. We'll all read the last verse together. I'll tell you when that comes in. It's verse 11. Um, Now, let's see. Uh, Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we will... And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, The king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver gold and clothes and went off and hid them they returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also then they said to each other we're not doing right this is a day of good news let's read verse 9 together shall we on account of three one two three then they said to each other we're not doing right This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Stop. That's that's as far as we're going to be able to get today. Please have a seat. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So we have these lepers. Now, here's the thing. There's a great siege that's going on. We have the king who's lost all hope, gone to the only religious figure in the community, and he, or the chief religious figure in the community, and saying, this is your fault. This is God's fault. We don't want to have anything to do with God. We're up to, God is not for us. He's against us. And we're going to die. That's what's happening in scene one. And at the exact same time. Now, here's the thing. The king does not know what we just read. The king does not know that while he just lost all hope, God was working through four of the most unlikeliest candidates you could possibly imagine. They had leprosy. To say that they were, to, there is no social equivalent 
to leprosy. You would, you would have to be a pedophile with AIDS and open sores to qualify to have the same cultural uh, aversion today that these lepers would have. If you can think of pedophiles uh, that has uh, AIDS with open sores, and then you... Tr- that's how bad these people were ostracized. Lepers were wanted nothing to do with... In fact, if you had leprosy and you walked down the street and someone was walking towards you, you had to scream. Could you imagine this? You had to scream, Unclean! Unclean! Could you imagine how horrible that must have been? That's just terrible. You ever have anybody, when you walk down the street, cross the street when they saw you? That's what it feels like. It's awful. Terrible. Very degradating feeling. And God chooses these, not one, these four guys with leprosy. And so here's their dilemma. Their dilemma is they can't go into the city. They're unclean. They won't be allowed there. Right? And by the way, there's no food in the city because it's a famine. So they're outside of the city. So they're standing outside of the walls. Then they go, wait up. If we go inside the city, we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. And if we go over there, They might kill us or take us in as slaves, but if they don't take us in as slaves, we'll die, right? You ever have a a situation in your life where you have four options and they're all bad? You ever have that? Yeah, this is that time, right? Right, this is that time. So they, they, they go and they say, well, you know, uh, you know, we're dead men anyway. So what happens? They, they, they go and then they find the place. Here's what happened. They find the place completely abandoned with all the supplies that an army of people with enough people to take over an entire city and have enough supply for years. That army is no longer there, but the supply is. Now, some, we don't know what happened, how God performed this miracle. There's a couple of... Um, anybody, anybody remember when we had the minor earthquake about a month or two, now maybe more than that, maybe three months ago. Yeah, it's like September. Anybody remember when we had the minor earthquake and some of y'all went to church that week just because you experienced that, right? It was like, earth is shaking, oh, it's the end, right? It's, um, right? Do you remember that? Do you remember that, right? It's like, oh, Jesus, now Jesus. I get it, I get it, now Jesus. Before the earthquake, we were planning Friday night, right? Okay. Um, maybe not so funny. Okay. But the earthquake made you really open to Jesus, right? Well, so, so some people say, uh, uh, you know, a, sh- uh, a mild tremor, you know, and then they felt that, like that was uh, all these armies coming at them. We, we learn later on that the Armenians, that's exactly what happened, that th- there was a sound that God made them hear. They wouldn't say God made them hear, but you and I know because we know both sides of the story. God made them hear a sound. We don't know if he did that by earthquake, if he did it by thunder, but there was a significant enough sound that they thought it was approaching hoofbeats. They they thought it was horses coming to destroy them. And it sounded so grave that they didn't, listen, they didn't take mommy's picture and their best Sunday clothes, pack it, and then leave nicely. They ran and left their clothes on the street. They just 
they ran. They left. And they left everything. The entire army left. Now, listen to me. Only God can do that. And I want you to know, if you get nothing else out of this message, there's, this, is, this one's for free. This is not the point of the message. But when, even when you think all hope is lost, God has not finished writing his story. And that while the king is saying, why should we trust in God? There are guys, that, there are, there's an entire group of people who just ran and given them all that they needed. They were starving to death, and God had supplied for every one of their needs in ways that they couldn't possibly imagine. So these four men, after they, get, uh, after they uh, go and they uh, do this experiment and find out it works out pretty well for them, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of camp. This is verse 8. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. Somebody say hid them. This is terrible. This is what, listen, listen. Even if you, don't, even if you want to do this, listen, listen. Even if I told you that I found a wallet on the train and it had $5,000 in it, and then I returned it to the owner because the identification was there. Even if you would call me stupid for doing that, you wouldn't if it was your wallet. <laughs> like, even if you don't want, you get what I'm saying? Even if you don't want it for yourself. Even if you, don't, even if you find something good and you go, oh, I'm going to hoard it. You don't want your friend to be like that. You don't want your wife to be like that. If, if, that if you find, find $30,000, you, you might want to be greedy for yourself, but you don't want nobody you love to be like that. You want them to share with you. Isn't that true? Because of the thing that's inside us, that when we find something good, when we find something worthwhile, we should. There's something inside of it. Share. Sure. Sure. And so these guys come across this, and they start eating, and they hide these, ju- these silver plates and all this other stuff. Now listen. This is, this is a historical event. So what I'm about to say right now is going to sort of spiritualize this event, but I want you to know this really happened. There was like, if, if somebody had their Rolex on, they could have checked the time. If, if somebody had their, their, their smartphone, they could, have, they could have put the date in their, in their day timer, right? This really happened. Do you know that this still happens today? There are Christians who come, and I'm telling you, listen, this, can we talk... This is our church, right? This is, what, what is, what's the name of this church? Recovery House of Worship. And there are some of us who come in here, I mean, beat down. And oh my goodness, we have people here, and they send you to a detox, and you come back, and you gain like 15 pounds because you were smoked out, and just like, you know, things were not going well for you. And, and then, and then we, we gave you a place to stay, and then we poured into you, and we provided for you, and we loved you. The church did. I'm talking about, when I say we, I mean, I mean your service, your tithing. The church, the people in this room, we do. We love on you. We help you. We serve you. Maybe your deal is not that extreme. Maybe your just marriage was on the rocks. Maybe, but, but you came in, all tore up, and then you run to Jesus, and you go, this is so wonderful. This is like the best thing we ever had. There is nothing like this. God is awesome. And you take the silver and you take the gold and you say, oh, but nobody else, nobody else is going to hear about this, boy. Nobody. Cover, cover. And then um, people ask you, people ask you, how you doing? And you go, I'm doing great. Better than ever. 
Really? How'd you get that way? You didn't look so hot a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Your marriage didn't look so strong a month ago. How'd you get that way? <laughs> I'm not telling. I'm not telling. I'm just, just I'm not going to say. And some of us grew up like this. Some of us actually have a theology that says, no, you're not supposed to talk about God outside the church. You know, you don't talk about politics and religion. You just don't talk about God. And you grew up like this. And at work, God is calling you to talk to the person in your cubicle who's going through so much problems. And you're giving them such great advice, but you're forgetting to mention Jesus. And it's like, it's like you're kidding. You're kidding me. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or anything, but listen, I'm trying to say that you're hiding it. I'm trying to say that you're hiding something good. And by the end of today, I hope you're like the rest of the, the, rest of the story that the lepers do. But listen to me. If that's you, if you grew up and you say, nope, I'm not. Or, or some of us, some of us are really spiritual about this. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell them anything about Jesus. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch the, let them watch my good deeds. They're going to, you know what? They'll just watch me. That'll do it. I'll just wait for them. Listen, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. That strategy even Jesus wouldn't do. Are you better than Jesus? Because Jesus told everybody. But, but you know what? It's just like that. Just, no, I'm not telling him. I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him about Jesus. You're kidding. You're kidding. Really? You? Not going to tell about the great thing that you found in Christ? Not about a great church. Churches come and go, and this church will pass away, but the word of God never will. Christ is eternal. He's glorious. He's wonderful and powerful. He can transform lives. He can give strength to the weak and give, listen to me, God is great. Listen, you got to tell some. You just, you got to tell some. Nope, nope, not going to tell them. Hey, there's something about you. Yep, sure is. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I wonder what that is about you. <laughs> not saying. But gosh, I feel like there's a transformation in your marriage. Guess. What is that? Madness. Listen, surely, as good as the Golden Corral is, surely Jesus is better than the Golden Corral. Right? Can we just agree on that? Right? Can we have, uh, maybe some of y'all, not so much. I'm not agreeing on that. I'm just saying for the most part, right, we could get a 70% vote, right, that says Jesus is better than the Golden Corral, right? Okay, right, yeah. Jesus gives life. Golden Corral takes life, right, because the chocolate will kill you. Okay, so. But we hide it. We hide it. And it's madness. It's madness. Oh, you Christians. And then I know some of you are here and you're like, but yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. You Christians are too pushy. You Christians just want to talk about Jesus. And why don't you just let people believe what they believe and just you believe what you believe? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, because we're commanded by Christ to do so. Number two, listen, when you tell me, when you tell me that I should keep Jesus to myself, that's a religious view. That's just simply a religious view. Now, I have a religious view that says I should share Jesus with others. So I think it's very narrow-minded for you to want to impose your view on me of not sharing Jesus. Now, we do it with wisdom. We do it with tact. We do, you know, we do it within the realm of relationships. Or, so, but listen to me. You don't, you don't keep it to yourself. Good night. 
Oh, but we can't do it. This, listen, listen, listen. We, we can't do it in, these, in this environment because, you know, it would, well, great. After the environment. Right? Buy somebody a cup of coffee afterwards. Tell them about Jesus. All right. So that's what these guys did. And, uh, and so, but that's what they did at first. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some more things from it and hid them also. Verse 9. Then they said to each other, now this is, this is the aha moment. This is the aha moment. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all right now are, have faded out, right? You don't even know what I just said, the last line. It's cool. It happens to me too. I zone out. It's cool. I want you to focus in. I want you to focus in, okay? Now, it hits them. That covering this up is never what God wanted them for them. In fact, they use incredibly strong words. Here's what they say. Verse 9. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. Somebody say, we're not doing right. right. Somebody say, we're not doing right. right. Nice and loud. We're not doing right. right. We're not doing right. We might be believing right. We're not doing right. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Why? Because, let let, let me tell you something. Here's here's the deal. Let me see if I can finish this up pretty quickly. There's a group of people, an entire world, a city. And in this city, in this city, they're dying. They don't know that God has already provided everything that they need to live, so they're dying. And for those of us who find the tents of plenty, for those of us who go and find the place where they're nourished and fed and that God becomes God and that they no longer live according to their desires but abide in Christ, that when those people find Christ, it's criminal. You're just not doing right to keep it to yourself. Because there's a world that if, listen, if they don't go, these people will die. They will. I wish you could hear me. I wish you could hear me. Listen to me. They sit in the cubicle right next to yours. They, they live directly upstairs from you. You know, the kid that sits in the chair in your class. You know, the one in that meeting space who just shared unbelievable pain. They're all around us. You're not doing right. I'm not, t- listen, respect the atmosphere that you're in, right? Right? When I come to church, I wear a suit. I go to a ball game, I wear sweats, right? Because I, I respect the environment. So you got to respect the environment, but you need to share who Jesus is, even if it costs you a cup of coffee or a lunch. Verse 10. 
So they went and called out to the city. By the way, that was as close as they could get. Do you understand that they still, they have, check this out, listen to me. This is a very powerful thing. They would not be received. Do you understand? They still have leprosy. Even though they have the best news in the world, they will not be received. It's still their responsibility to share. It's still their responsibility. They go, this is as close as they can go. The the wall is over there. They go, hello. The Arameans took off and they left all their food. Okay. And like they left, that's all they can do. That's all they can do. And you know what? It's enough. Sometimes you think when you share, people don't hear you. You don't know. You don't know. The guy who first shared Christ with me as an adult, um, his name was uh, Donovan. And the Spanish guy, real super cool. Have you ever had like a real super guy at school that you wish you could have been his friend? Right? I had that, that. He's just a real super dresser. And he got like, he was like a real rebel. He had the one earring, the stud. Right? It was like a super rebel. I was like, wow, that's cool. Right? And so, um, and so um, he met me one day. And he said, why don't you come to my church? I was like, church, you? You're kidding me. And I wouldn't go. But you know what he did? This was outrageous. He came and picked me up at my house. I was in my bath. I had no intention of going. But now I couldn't tell him no. He's still the coolest guy in the school. Even though like five years have passed, I still you know, revere him as the coolest guy. He took me to a church. You know, I never went back to his church again. Never. I never saw him again. I've never had another conversation with him. I don't know where he is. I don't even know if he's serving Jesus. I wonder if he knows that what he did in my life is affecting you. You never, ever know what your shouts to the wall, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's, you never know where that's going to go. So they went and called into the city. Let me just give you the short part of the story. The guys, the, the king doesn't even believe them. They think it's a trap. And the, the, the advisors to the king go, dude, a trap? Really? We're dead if we stay here. Why don't we go see if we're trapped? You know, right? At least we might have a meal before uh, we can. And that's exactly what happens. And you know what? Everybody gets fed except for the one guy who got trampled on the gates who saw it but never ate of it. Amazing, right? Listen to me. How do we translate this into your life? I got five minutes. We got to do this super quick. Okay, let's do this fast. Number one, are you thinking of people? Are you, have you thought of people who need to hear the gospel? Who you can invite to church? Here's what we need to do. First thing, and in your same sermon notes, there's blanks that you could fill out. I want you to write this down. Everybody write this down. First thing I want you to do is I want you to pray for God to open their hearts. Pray for God to open their hearts. Would you write that down? Go ahead, don't look at me. Just write it down. Even you... Even you guys in the overflow room, we love you. We want you to participate, okay? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. All right, wow. Yeah, let me hear a shout from the overflow room. Is there anybody in the overflow room? That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. By the way, do you know why we have an overflow room? Because you guys are getting this. You're inviting people. So I love that. I love that. That's kind of cool. Um, uh, Okay, the first thing is I want you to pray for God to open their hearts. Quickly, listen to me, listen to me. Pray for God. The people that you want to talk to about God. Don't talk to your friends about Jesus until you talk to Jesus about your friends. Do you understand? Do you want to share Jesus with with everyone you meet, but you want to talk to Jesus? God, give me grace. And I'm telling you, as soon as you meet them, you can just go, oh, God, give me grace to share with them about you. True story. I was at the hospital. I had a friend who I dearly loved helped me out 
out in the very beginning of, of, of um, a, a transition process of me from, from you know, living a terrible uh, 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 lifestyle to uh, living a, a new way of life. And, and he was, he was an unbelievably inspirational person. He was dying on the bed, and he had never heard of Jesus from my lips. I can't tell you how painful that was. And there are six people around us, and none of them know Jesus. And I'm begging God, God, give me, give, give him a consciousness. Give him a, he's out. He's going to die. And he did. I begged God. You know that God opened up his eyes. And I was able to look into his eyes. And I said, now listen. And I, and I said his name. And I said, and, and by the way, I won no friends that day. I won no friends that day. In fact, it looked like one of them were gonna, was going to physically attack me. I said, and I said his name. And I said, baby, listen, you, you're going to go home. Just trust in Jesus. And I remember touching his face. Just trust in Jesus. Listen, give him your sin. Accept his forgiveness. Trust in Jesus. Pray! That God would open the eyes, the heart of the people. And don't wait till it's too late. Pray. Second thing that you, we need to do, if we're going to just tell somebody about Jesus, next thing we need to do is write this down, present the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to present the gospel, guys. You gotta, what's the gospel? You go, I don't know how to present the gospel. It's this. You are, listen, you ready for the gospel? Here's the gospel in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Everybody ready? Here it is. You are worse than you think. And Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. That's the gospel. You go, oh, but I'm not so bad. <laughs> Sorry, you are worse than you think. And you are, listen, listen, listen. And you are more loved by Jesus than you can imagine. That's the gospel. The gospel is that we're desperate sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a helper. We don't need a one-upsman. We don't need, listen, we don't, we don't need a, 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 a tutor. We need a Savior. And those of you who don't know Jesus, listen, you need today a Savior. Let me just share this real quick with you. If you don't present the gospel, God will, you, if you pray and don't present the gospel, it will mean just misery for you. Uh, I'll tell you a story. True story. I can't tell you all the stories of successes because then you'll think like I'm some super dude and I'm not. I'm really, really, really flawed, really super bad. This is as good as I look. Like up here on this stage is as good as I get. You should ask my wife about me. It's like, you know, it's a mess. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is really important. True story. I used to beg God that he would bring me people that I would share um, the gospel with. I was working in uh, New Jersey, so I had to take the L train to 14th Street so I could take, get the New Jersey um, deal and then go in from there. Here's what happened. I was on the train, on the L train, and there was a woman who was just overwhelmed. She was crying, weeping, uncontrollable. You ever cry in public? I can't say that I've ever cried in public. I, like, I try to control myself. You know, some of us have, but it's, it's, you, you must not be able to control yourself. If you're crying in public, she was crying in public. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus, as I walked by her, Jesus said, tell her about me. And I sat and I stood next to her. And I said, well, Jesus, if this is really you, like, like Satan would tempt me with this, right? Right? Like Satan would tempt me with this. 
So I said, Jesus, if this is really you, let her walk into my cart. And I stood around five feet away, but I knew that her, because, you know, when you take trains often, you know exactly where the door and the cart ends and all that other stuff. I knew that this was the last door for this one, and she was far enough that she would have to go into the first door of the next cart. And that's where I stood there. I said, Jesus, if she, go, if she comes into my cart, I'll share the gospel with her. And you know what happened when the doors opened, when the train came and the doors opened? Here's what happened. She went into her cart, and I went into mine. And I said, you see? And you know what happened 30 seconds later? She walked through the doors. Then I sat down next to a really heavy person. Really, like, take two seats up, heavy person. All right? So I sat down next to him, and I said, and, and, you know, you have, like, room for three, and it's just me and him, but you know there's no room. Right? So I said, Jesus, if you really, really want her to, uh, for me to share the gospel with her, have her sit next to me. True story. My boy got off on Union Square. There's two seats, and her leg is hitting my leg. I never do that. I always sit away from the person, right? I'm antisocial like that, right? She sits right next to me. Jesus, if you really, really want me to share the gospel with her, put her hair on fire. Let me tell you the truth truth about that story. That girl sat down with tears. She stood up with tears. She walked out the door with tears. I never told her about Jesus. Never. I've never forgotten that moment. What a, what a missed opportunity. What a ter- listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to present the gospel. you got to, listen, here it is. Listen. The gospel is not Jesus will make you happier, wealthier. Jesus will make you more moral. Jesus will make you better. No, the gospel is is that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Would you just run to him for salvation? Present the gospel. Next thing I want you to do is I want you to invite them to the next step. Whatever the next step is, we got to close. The next step, whatever the next step is, coming to church. Would you come to my church? Would you like to receive Christ right now? Would you, would you like to pray? Would you like to start a Bible study? Whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to close real fast. Um, uh, listen, folks. I don't know. Family, listen to me. I don't know how to get this point across to you. I don't. But you, if you know Christ, you want to share him with others. You don't want to keep it under a bushel. You don't want to. You want to go and share life. Listen to me. Easter is coming up. There is no other time in the year. If you ask seven people to come to church, six of them will come with you on Easter. Because it's the time that everybody comes to church. We're going to, listen, we're setting, we're going to set up so that we even have two services so that we could fit all the people. But listen to me. We, do not, we, don't, we don't do branding. We don't do marketing. We don't do anything like that. You know what our only avenue of getting people to know the gospel and hearing Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what our only plan is? The person sitting in your seat. So listen to me. If you've been here for a while, and I'm going to close. If you've been here for a while, today's your day. 
you've never received Christ, you thought that Jesus is a cool idea, but you've never really received him. You never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You have an opportunity right now to do this. Here it is. And here, listen. Jesus comes not from a from a, a city where an army was. Jesus comes from the heavenly city. And he comes to this world where there is death and destruction, where there's heartache and brokenness, where little girls don't get tucked in at night by dad, and little boys try to figure out what manhood is all about without parents around. In a broken world. Broken world. And he doesn't scream from a wall, but he hangs from a tree. And it's his shout to this world, to this broken world, to you and to me. Your sins are horrible. Don't ever fall into the philosophy and say, well, I'm not that bad. It was God had to die. It was so bad. It's worse than you think. And Jesus did not die so that you would have more esteem. He did not die so you could be more moral. He did not die so you could get over your girlfriend or find a better boyfriend. Jesus died, listen, so that you could have a relationship with him. The reward of surrendering your life to Jesus is Jesus. That's the reward. And it's enough. And it's everything. So I can't twist your arm. For those of you who know Jesus, I want you to be praying and asking God how, how he could, he could use you. You never know how God is going to use you to share the gospel with somebody. But those of you who don't know Jesus, I want you to just submit, surrender, say right now, God, right now I'll do it. Right now. I'll tell you one last story before I go. There's a, there's a guy, I was running on the boardwalk. This happened about a month or two ago. This guy whose face you're going to see in a second. I was running, and as I was uh, running on the boardwalk, God told me to talk to this stranger. I, said, I don't know about you, but I don't do that well. Do you do that well? I don't do that well. That's him. God said, talk to him. As it, he had his hood over his head. He was sitting down. He did not look like he wanted to hear from a white guy about Jesus. Just did not look like that. And I'm Puerto Rican and everything, but I don't look Puerto Rican, so I accept that, right? I was like, uh, he did not look. And so I'm jogging. And I got every reason to keep on going. I'm, I'm trying to be physically fit. I'm, try, I'm thinking about the sermon. I'm praying. I'm running. And God says, tell him about me. All right. So, what you doing there? He goes, what? (laughs) Today, it had to happen. I said, I noticed you were reading something. What you reading? You know what it was? It's a Bible. Jesus knows what he's doing. He had prepared his heart. And so I said, so 
oh, that's, that's pretty easy. He's like, what you reading? It's great. We started to talk. We talked about a half hour. Listen to me. He was broken. He was hurting. He was confused. He just, he ju- he, he just wanted to start his relationship, and he just started the night before. And he opened his heart to Jesus, and he just needed some direction and guidance. And so I shared with him. I tried to help him to take the next step. The next day, I had a Bible study in his house where I met five other guys. The next day after that, around eight of them came over to this service. Now we're all talking about what could God do in the Rockaways? Could God plant another church? Could God do something fantastic and something wonderful? What could God do? Listen to me. Listen to me. Rockaway guys, why don't you come up here? Why don't you come up? We're going to pray for them. These are the guys. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Come on up. that God wants to do in your life that you're trying to convince God not to do? What are the people that need to hear about Jesus who you're just two meetings away from meeting? Listen to me. You, you just tell somebody about Jesus. You pray, pray like their life depends on because it does. You share with them the gospel because it's the good news that you can't keep to yourself. And you invite them to the next step because that's, that's how they're going to grow. Now, we're going to pray that these very young men who have God's hand on their lives, we're praying that God would do a revival in the Rockaways, that the projects and the community and that the people all around would know about Jesus. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God does that for them. And they're going to pray that God does that through you. So I want you to just, and those of you who don't know Jesus, you just give your life to Jesus. Just put it on your yellow card. We'll connect with you. But we're going to pray for them, and they're going to pray for us. I want you to all extend your hands out as a, as a, um, a symbol of God's hand on their lives. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray, oh God, that you, by your powerful spirit, use these men. Anoint them. Father, no matter what their mothers might have said, no matter what their fathers might have said, no matter what their growing up might have said, Lord, that you can use them for great things. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, that the Rockaways would have a revival because of what you do in and through their lives. Father, I ask, oh God, 
that they would not faint, that they would not turn away, that they would not become scared, that they would not take their silver and hide it under the ground. But Lord, that they would in fact give all to you, that they would pay the price, that they would sacrifice. Father, that they would change their future plans and that you would be glorified in and through their lives. Father, I ask that in Jesus' name that you would do the same at Recovery House of Worship Brooklyn. I pray, oh God, that by your spirit you would touch every person here. Every person would have a revival right where they live, oh God. And that we would be hearing about all the great things that God is doing. Lord, that those here who don't know you would know you. And that those here who know you would share you with others. That we would just tell somebody about Jesus. We thank you for all that you're going to do. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God with me. Praise God with me. God.